Hey listeners, welcome to the Intelligent Conversations, where we believe that everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. We invite guests from various backgrounds to share with you what makes them unique. Our hope is that you and I can learn and grow together. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to speak with Ralph Velasco. Ralph has owned restaurants, sold real estate, has been a financial advisor, and much more. Ralph today is a location-independent professional travel photographer, so I'm sure we're going to learn more about what that is and what he does, so I'm excited. So Ralph, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate you taking the time to come on today. But Pleasure, pleasure to be here. I want to start with this question. So first of all, what is an location independent professional travel photographer and how did you get started in that sure so uh, location independent is just a nice way of saying intentionally homeless <laughs> so um, I used to live in Southern California for about 15 years and started my business there launched this uh, photo enrichment adventures my my first travel brand that I created uh, when I moved to California and uh, I was uh, doing that while I was a financial advisor at the same time. And this was 2005 to 2008. And uh, if you remember what happened in September of 2008, we had the financial crisis. And here I am, a, a newbie financial advisor. And so I was... Uh, not doing great. Uh, you know, it takes a long time, many mm -hmm. years to develop that sort of a business. And uh, I wasn't that into it. I'd kind of uh, lost my interest in, in that part of the business. And then we had the uh, financial crisis, of course, mm -hmm. uh, in September 2008. And that was the, the next day was when I said, okay, I'm going full time as a travel photographer and tour organizer. And I'd already been doing that uh, sort of part time nights and weekends for or two, three years at that point. So I'd had a little bit of a following, so a little bit of something to fall back on, but nothing full-time, uh, you know, nothing that could support me full-time. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I said, I'm just going to burn the bridges and I'm going to make this thing happen. And, it, you know, as a financial advisor, you would think that a financial crisis would be a bad thing, but it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me uh, because – you know, I decided to do that and kind of burn the bridges and say, okay, I'm going to make this thing work no matter what. I've got no fallback. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'd always been a traveler, always been interested in travel, always enjoyed photography. And this was sort of the beginnings of the digital photography boom, which I would say, you know, started approximately in the early 2000s, mm -hmm. maybe 2001 or two. And so I said, you know, I, I think there's people would uh, probably pay me to help them with these new digital devices that they were buying, these one and two megapixel cameras that uh, we were all sort of getting into back then. Now we have them in our pockets mm -hmm. all the time. And uh, so I said, uh, you know, I was living in Chicago at the time. I'd actually, just to back up a little bit, I'd had a restaurant, my second restaurant from 2001 to 2004 was in downtown Chicago. And um, like five months after I opened, 
September 2001. We all know what happened. September's not a good month for me. Uh, <laughs> no, we uh, we all had this was everyone's problem, of course. But uh, we had the uh, you know 9/11, of course, mm -hmm. uh, back in 2001. So I had just opened a restaurant in downtown Chicago after 9/11, and so as you can imagine, everything just went quiet for quite a few months because people thought maybe Chicago would be next, and you know, so it was it was a strange time, and you know like the worst time to have your business go down quite a bit because you're just op you know opening a new restaurant anyway to make a long story longer i i was coming up to the end of my three-year initial lease and i had to decide if i was going to sign for another five years or what i was going to do and i um i knew i didn't want to continue doing that so i sold the business and then i moved to california to start this as well as become a financial advisor so that I had some sort of an income while I started this, which I knew was going to take a while. That's cool. So I hope uh, in a roundabout way, I hope that answered your question. No, that was great. I, I love that. I think it's, I always like hearing people's stories because what ends up happening, right, is usually there's that point where it's like, oh crap, something terrible happens. Like in your example, two big things that happened in our country, but you overcame them, right? The storm passed and you managed to find something else that has been working for you. So I guess this is my next question kind of to follow up. It's what got you interested in photography? Like what, because I, I don't think I've talked with a few people that are into that, but what was kind of that initial draw to like, hey, I, I kind of like this and I want to create a business out of this. Yeah, um, I mentioned that I'd, uh, I'd been a traveler, um, and I'd been a traveler since I was about 15, and I oh, studied wow. for a summer in Spain. Next summer, I was a volunteer in Peru. The next summer, I was a volunteer in Venezuela. The next summer, I studied in Mexico City. And so I always had a camera with me, and this is back in the 70s, early 80s, uh, quite a while ago, certainly before digital photography. But I, I always enjoyed photography. My father was a, a very good uh, amateur photographer and, you know, let me use his cameras and stuff. Uh, and because I traveled, I was, of course, always taking pictures even back then. And I started to get some some good feedback about my photographs and maybe that they were a little bit, uh, you know, better than the postcard or just the, you know, just sort of the regular everyday shots. And so that encouraged me, um, even if just a little bit that maybe this was something I could pursue, but I'm, like I said, I'm talking back in the early eighties. And at that time I thought that becoming, you know, making a living from photography and or travel was about as likely as my becoming a rock star. And so, you know, this is before social media, before mm -hmm. the internet, practically before the wheel. And so we were, um, you know, just using film, of course. But to make, you know, to, to answer your question, I, I started getting a little bit of encouragement and uh, thought that, okay, maybe maybe I could pursue this eventually. But I did not pursue it un until like 25 years later or 30 years later. And I always say that it only took me 45 years to figure out what I want to do with my life. Uh, most people never do. So I was pretty even happy to, you know, figure it out at 45. But I spent 20, 25 years sort of, you know, having restaurants, doing real estate, doing all these other things, traveling, uh, you know, here and there for my, you know, one or two week vacations that most of us got. But, um, you know, it, it 
took me until I was 45 years old and the uh, the digital photography boom, which I think, you know, mm -hmm. made everyone more interested in photography. And then, you know, someone has to teach those people how to use these new digital devices because no one mm -hmm. knew how. So I just had to be one or two chapters ahead of them in that uh, that camera manual and uh, and show people how to use their digital devices. That's cool. Uh, that's so cool. So, I mean, this is a question that I just thought of. So how do you like get to the point where you're like, all right, let's just travel for photography, like everywhere around? Like, because I mean, I don't know where you are right now, but I asked before we started this that you were in California, but now you travel all over the place. What kind of helped you take that step to make that happen? To, uh, to start traveling? Yeah, because um, I think... I think a lot of people, right, they, they have an idea of that dream in their head, right? I mean, you talked about how most people don't figure out what they want ever, right? And I think it's maybe they yeah. do. It's just maybe they're too scared to take that step. So I'm that's kind of, I guess, what I'm getting at is what kind of took you say, you know what, I'm going to take this big step to go travel and teach photography and take beautiful pictures. Well, it was that, you know, that restaurant experience that I had, my second restaurant, it not going super great and, uh, you know, start having a real slow start with 9-11, uh, deciding to sell the business. What I did is I took a yellow pad and I literally wrote on the left side the cons of what I was doing. I had to have a, a $5,000 a month retail space. I was uh, selling something that people put in their mouths and could make them sick. I um, had employees. And I had I had a lease, mm -hmm. um, so I was I would come home smelling like a French fry every day. So those were things that I and on the right hand side of the page I said I want to work from wherever I am. I don't want employees. I only want to count on myself. I don't want inventory. I want to sell a service, not a product. You know, and all those things pointed to, you know, the photography and, and doing tours. And so I said, I bet people would pay me, you know, to sit across the kitchen table with them, show them how to use these digital devices, maybe go out into the neighborhood, take some pictures, examples, those kinds of things, downloading and all that stuff. And then I started teaching at the local city of Newport Beach adult education program, uh, Santa Ana College, University of California, Irvine Extension mm -hmm. program, you know, places that I didn't need a teaching degree. And um, I just taught these, you know, two-hour classes that um, it was sort of an introduction to digital photography. And there was actually other people out there teaching about the camera. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I said, you know, I don't want to be another one of those guys in that pamphlet that comes every month about what, you know, local classes are available. And so I said, you know, I don't see anyone teaching how to use their photographic eye how to develop their eye for photography. So let that guy teach about the camera. I want to teach you how to see and, and you know, and to put that camera to use. And so that's what I thought. I'm not a, a super technical guy by, by any standards, but I've got a pretty good photographic eye and I, um, and I think it can be learned. You know, sometimes people say you got to be born with that, but I don't believe that. I think it can be taught. And so, um, uh, you know, that's how I started out little by little. And I said, you know what, I'm going for this thing. That's awesome. So I on the show, I get like a variety of people that take a 
different approaches to what they choose to do. And I like your approach, how you kind of dipped in the water and kind of see, and then you realize like, hey, I, I really enjoy this. And I think a lot of people, one, they just don't even try to start. And I'm like, dude, just take that step. Like you want to do it, right? You kind of, like you said, you listed the pros and cons. Like now just go test it out. See if it's actually what you want. And I think that holds a lot of people back. So yep. this is another question I come up. How do you have the, how do you get the good, like, eye? I guess is what I'm saying. Like, cause you said it can be learned. I'm kind of curious. How does one develop that? I think that it's, uh, it's about sort of showing, um, before and after pictures, maybe looking at people's photographs, which I do a lot of uh, photo critiques and image reviews. And uh, that's something where, you know, people will submit five or 10 images and I'll look at them and I'll give them my opinion about what I think, you know, those shots are. And sometimes they're great. And I just encourage them to continue doing that. Other times there's little what I would consider mistakes in, um, you know, just sort of rules that have been broken that doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean it's bad. You know, all rules are made to be broken, but I would point that out. And so I think that's something that as you learn that you look at your own photographs or video, whatever, you just start to realize, okay, this looks better than that. And there's, there's reasons that there are these rules, like the rule of thirds and things like that. It's because sometimes certain placement of subjects in the frame are more pleasing to the eye for whatever reason or make us want to move our eye around the frame to see other parts of it and, you know, dig deeper. Uh, you know, sometimes there's just a very simple shot of just one person and a, almost a blank background, and that could be a great shot. So it just depends. It's very subjective. And I always say that, you know, I'm going to give you my opinion uh, this is not gospel. It's only my opinion. Mm -hmm. If you like the shot, great. But um, I'm just going to tell you what I think. So I love that. And so it's almost like an art form, right? Like you're the artist yeah, of your photography. And I think that's cool. So you kind of threw in video there. And that's that's kind of the next question I have. And that's with especially with social media. Now, like when Instagram came out, I bet that was awesome for uh, photographers like yourself. But now that they're starting to introduce things like video, what's kind of your thoughts on that? You know, I tried to uh, create followings with Instagram and, you know, uh, Facebook and stuff. And I've got decent followings, but um, never quite took off like some people for whatever reason. I think I've got a good Instagram feed. You know, it's I think the pictures there are quality. You know, but Instagram has been great for a lot of people. Um, I Facebook is kind of where my mm -hmm. clientele is uh, because my people that come on my trips are typically 40s plus, so a little bit older. And uh, I think those people are still on Facebook where a lot of the younger people are not. And besides younger people, they aren't going to come on a, a small group trip unless it's, you know... Um, you know, like a singles thing or something. So uh, I'm not going for those people. But um, yeah, Facebook's where, you know, I, my following is and where I most, I'm most active. Yeah. And also now YouTube, speaking of video. I know, right? So I guess, yeah, that's kind of my question. So video is starting to become more and more like relevant. I, I'm just kind of asking if that's played a role in how you start to look at things. Like, are you taking more videos now? Or are you still 
doing photography. 100%. Absolutely. I am taking, I would say, 90% video and 10% photos, believe it or not. Um, I have the luxury of going back to a lot of the places that I travel to with my groups over and over again. So in a sense, I've gotten a lot of my pictures. I mean, you can always go back to the same place forever and get different shots, better shots, improve. But for those who know photography and video, you probably realize that they're they're two pretty different things and two different mm -hmm. mindsets. It's very hard because I thought, well, you know, I'll have my camera with me, but I'll also be getting some video. It just doesn't work. You know, anyone who's tried that probably would agree with me. So I had to, f and maybe it's just me that I, I can't keep my mind on two different <laughs> things, but um, I have a feeling it's pretty universal. But uh, I went video because I started a YouTube channel and I've been taking video for many, many years, 10, 12 years, pretty much as long as we've had you know, video on our cam on our camera phones, mm -hmm. on our phones, just thinking that one day I'd like to start a YouTube channel. Uh, maybe I could use this content down the road, blah, blah, blah. And so it finally happened. And that's something that during the pandemic, uh, when I wasn't traveling as much, now I was on the road about still about five months out of the year during the pandemic internationally. But um, normally I'm on the road eight to nine months. But um, I was concentrating on creating this YouTube channel and launching that. And that's uh, been a lot of work, but it's it's been fun. And it's been something that I have really tried to sink my teeth into. I think I've got some good content. It's, it's kind of fun, but it is a lot of work. And man, if you're committing to doing a weekly video, as you probably know, mm -hmm. or even a weekly podcast, it's, man... <laughs> It's amazing how that week comes around every seven yes. days. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, man, you just got to feed that beast. Oh, it's a grind. I I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's a beast to get it out there and uh, put content out there that people will enjoy. So mm -hmm. I, I want to get back to that. But back kind of you've mentioned your groups and stuff. What's it like to go on a group? Uh, I'm going to call it photography tour. Correct me if I'm wrong. But a group photography tour with you. Yeah, and and I could, you know, I, I could see why you would call it that. Um, I just a clarification, my trips are not photo workshops, which you, people may have heard of that. You know, that to me is pretty hardcore, 12 hours a day, every sunrise, sunsets, you know, talking photography 24-7, imagery views, uh, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I wanted to create a different kind of tour, something that was less intense than that, but was still had that photography focus, mm -hmm. no pun intended. And so um, I created a trip that was more for sort of uh, photography enthusiasts, not necessarily hardcore photo workshop people or professional photographers, although I've had some come on my trips. And, and these people just want to be put in the right place at the right time, have everything laid out for them, and it's very understandable. Uh, so I get uh, sort of casual uh, beginner to intermediate photographers mostly on my trips. And now 
you know, more and more are using smartphones. And hmm. so I created a second brand called a la Campagna Experiences that is even less about photography and more about cultural experiences. Staying in one, maybe two locations and really doing a deep dive instead of like a two-week trip to Morocco where we might stay in six different towns for two, three nights each. It's a lot of moving around, but you get to see a lot, but it's a lot of drive time too. So especially after the pandemic, um, I think that the idea of packing and unpacking once, maybe twice, staying in properties that are absolutely incredible, like uh, private castles, wow. uh, uh, family estates, wine estates, the property itself is a destination because you know, when we travel, we can't wait to get out of the hotel. You know, you feel like you're wasting time. I mean, I'm not going to sit at the hotel, right? <laughs> well, what if the hotel is 270 acres and it's an 11th century castle that the interior is like a museum and there's a swimming pool and there's grounds with gardens? I mean, you may not want to leave. Exactly. But, of course, we do have day trips planned, but they might be a half hour, 60 minutes drive, you know, and we'll go visit the local villages and have lunches and dinners and things like that, have wine tastings, olive oil tasting, things like that, have those experiences. We'll always have our cameras with us. So, you know, that's of awesome. course. And um, but it's uh, it's a different kind of experience. And that's the a la Campania experiences versus the photo enrichment adventures. A little bit more about photography, but I kind of shot myself in the foot <laughs> in that some people think that you have to be a photographer. You have to be really interested in photography. You have to have an expensive camera or something to come on my trips. And that's just not the case, especially now with, you know, the smartphones. Exactly. Um, so that, that's been a, taking a little bit of branding, you know, hoo-ha to kind of work out and I'm still working on it. Yeah. You got to rebrand say, all right, yes, I am your photography guy, but Hey, let's just go out and experience <laughs> life right yeah exactly and and if i could just mention one other thing i also created those the photo enrichment adventures so that a f person that was interested in photography could bring a friend or a spouse who wasn't and that person wouldn't feel out of place at all you know who doesn't want to be in the right place at the right time great light very few tourists about uh you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and um, even if you don't have a camera you know, uh, that's more about that learning to see and appreciate. So that's that's kind of a I have like a follow up question. So oftentimes some people, they get caught up, right? And so absorbed in just taking photos, right? With their phone, especially their phone. I mean, I'm sure I, I kind of have an idea of what the answer would be here. But when, when's the right time to just kind of put that phone away and just enjoy like the beauty of that's what's in front of you? Great question. Um, that's another thing that I'm a big stickler about is I say, put the camera down. You know, we spend a lot of money on these trips to go and travel the world and we see the place through the viewfinder of a camera. So I say, don't be afraid to put the camera down and just experience the place with your mind's eye. Um, um, I have a saying, you know, travel photography is two words. Spend as much time traveling as you are photographing. Boom. Because, you know, we go to these places, we might get some really nice shots or video, but do you, do you really remember much, uh, you know, 
you know, how about a specific meal or a person that you met other than the pictures you might have taken of it? Um, so, and the more I travel, the more I appreciate that type of philosophy of putting the camera down, just experiencing the place, simply sitting at a bar stool at a really cool pub or, you know, at a cafe, whatever, and watching the world go by. I appreciate that kind of travel more than ever. I don't, I'm not one of those people that always has to be on the go, go, go mm -hmm. and see everything as much as possible. I, I think that's a good thing to live by too, because especially in the social media world, we kind of mentioned that uh, a lot of people, they take these fantastic photos, but it's then it's like when you go talk to them, Hey, I saw you took a trip to Europe. They're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that. And they don't, they can't tell you anything that they did. It was all like literally for the picture. And you're like, dude, like tell me what you did. Like, that's cool type of thing. But they, they can't exactly. tell you. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, that's right. And imagine, you know, taking 10, 12, full trips like I do every year, most people take one or two trips. You know, you mm -hmm. got those two weeks off, you go take one trip. Well, I'm doing that 10 or 12 times a year, which is, you know, fantastic. I mean, I'm very awesome. lucky to do that. But imagine, you know, all those photographs and video I've gotten and, you know, a week later I'm on to the next trip and I've kind of forgot about that previous trip. And so, it's about keeping up with those images and um, and certainly, you know, being there. Uh, when I, I told you I, I was a volunteer in Peru when mm -hmm. I was 16, and one of the things that they taught us before we went there was simply to be here now. And I thought that was great. And obviously what that means is be in the place that you are, not always thinking about the next place or a better place or, you know, this food sucks, I wish I was at home and I had my mom's food or whatever, you know, those kinds of things. Wow, I, I, I think that's awesome. And yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people take for granted, especially here in the United States. I think we don't realize, like, there's a whole world out there. <laughs> like, and it's big, too. Like, there's a lot of people living extraordinary lives. And there's places out there that you just wouldn't even think exist. And yeah, it's a beautiful world out there. And I think some people, like you said, you need to put down the camera and just experience it. Yes, get the shot, but also take the time to enjoy it. Yeah, and the U.S. is one of the most varied and biggest countries in the world. And we've got just about every, you know, geological feature mm -hmm. and, you know, landscape, city, whatever that you can imagine. But in a sense, it's almost a problem because, you know, People just want to stay here and see everything here, and they f do forget about the rest of the world and all those other things. And for me, it's about going out, having a new language that I don't understand, meeting people that have uh, cultural differences that I you know, need to learn about and uh, opinions that are different than mine and architecture and mm -hmm. history. You know, our country is, what, 250, 300 years old in, in a sense? I mean, you can go sit on a bar stool in, uh, in London that's 300 years old, you know, <laughs> let alone the country or, you know, the, the culture there. It's, it's funny. That's awesome. So kind of on that note, I'm going to ask the intelligent question of the day. And I think a lot of, again, a lot of people, they, they kind of like this idea. They're hearing what we're talking about and they like, hey, yeah, I should go out and travel. I should go experience things. And the thing I think will hold them back is fear 
or they worry a lot, what's kind of your advice to kind of help them push through that and, you know, live a life on their terms? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when we're home, we're in our home country, we feel safer because we know the language, we know the culture, we know the money system, the legal system, et cetera. When we're overseas, like I said, those are the things that I like being different. I like, you know, having to figure out the money and the language and the culture, the food. But, uh, you know, sometimes people think, wow, isn't it dangerous over there? Or, man, I'm seeing, you know, Ukraine on the news or this on the news, whatever. Well, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of countries that are on the news more than the U.S. And the problems that we've had, especially over the past, you know, three, four years and uh, even beyond, I don't buy the argument that it's safer here. And nothing against my country, our country, but that's not necessarily the truth. So don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone, go overseas, try something different, and explore, make mistakes. There's, it's a better time than ever to be traveling because we have the internet and all these websites and YouTube channels that can help us research. You know, when I did that, I don't know if I mentioned, but I did a round the world trip when I sold my first restaurant. When I was 24, I, I did a, a five month round the world trip by myself. And this was in 1988. Well, I had to call, you know, all these places are uh, sent away for uh, brochures. Remember those? Uh, you know, there, there was no internet or anything for getting information. You had to get, you know, hard copies, brochures and stuff from New Zealand or wherever I was going to. So, um, you know, I feel like, you know, having that information that we have now, it's easier than ever to travel. You could be in touch with friends and family and mm -hmm. Get, you know, police officer very quickly because you probably have your phone with you. It's unbelievable how easy it is to travel now. And um, to some extent, you know, I wish it was back in the old days when it was a little bit harder and, you know, it wasn't quite so easy. But, you know, hopefully that will encourage people to travel more. I 100% agree. And that that's the intelligent answer of the day. And to kind of build on it, I think this is something I've told a lot of people it's kind of something I believe in wholeheartedly. It's we have all the information we could ever want right now. Why don't we do something with it? Right? Like in the history yeah. of the world, we have the most information known to man and we don't do anything with it. <laughs> you walk around and you've got the map of the city you're in on your phone. Exactly. Before we had to have paper maps and, you know, be looking like a tourist with that, you know, mm -hmm. trying to refold that map and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just incredible what we can do now with all these apps and oh, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> well, Ralph, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. So you've mentioned kind of what your whole group's about, your companies. What's the best way people can find you? Because it seems like that would be hard and get a hold of you, maybe join one of those groups What's the best way they can reach out to you and do all that fun stuff? Yeah, super easy. I've got uh, several websites. I've got uh, photoenrichment.com, which is where you can find the photo enrichment adventures. Uh, you'll see all my trips there, even the a la Campania experiences. But I have another website at alacampania.com that has just those trips on it. 
Uh, I also have continentaldrifter.co, which that's the name of my YouTube channel, is the Continental Drifter. If people go to YouTube and just youtube.com slash continentaldrifter, they'll find my YouTube channel. And um, there I've got all kinds of information about trips that I've taken, trips that I have coming up, uh, et cetera. I love to share the experiences that I'm having in these wonderful places and, you know, entice people to, to go to these places, whether with me or someone else or by themselves, but just to, to get out the front door. Um, I can be emailed at ralph at photoenrichment.com, but um, – just so that people have an idea, like I said, uh, my typical group is uh, anywhere from six to 10 people, so very small groups, and uh, people are typically 40s plus and even 70s or, or higher. Just uh, you need to be able to walk pretty good. Um, but um, those are the kinds of people that are on my trips. They're maybe, you know, don't, you don't have to be, but, you know, they seem to be retired, have an interest in photography, have, you know, the money to travel like this. But um, I, I welcome anyone on our trips, but uh, you can always email me if you have any questions whatsoever. Follow me on all the social medias at Ralph Velasco or search for the Continental Drifter. Awesome. Well, Ralph, thank you for coming on today. I, I definitely learned a lot and I'm sure the people listening also learned a ton about you. So thank you for taking the time to come on. Let's get out and travel. My pleasure. <laughs> Amen Thank to you. That. So everyone, as you can tell, that is Ralph Velasco. He's a very intelligent person, has great things to say. I challenge you guys, if anything you heard today is interesting or you just want to go travel, to go out there and do it and take Ralph's message there. If you also want to reach out to him, check out his stuff. He dropped the information there for you guys. Stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys. See you guys next week and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.